Hello and welcome to another Sportscast Spotlight. Today I am joined with uh, rugby player time boxer Nick Campbell. How are you doing, mate? Mate, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we'll start at the very beginning when you were growing up as a boy. Were you always interested in your sport and were you always sporty? Yeah, uh, I grew up in Glasgow, as you can probably tell in my accent. So I grown up, there's two teams in Glasgow and uh, I happened to support one of them. So uh, yeah. I was always interested in my football. It was always my, my dream to play for Celtic when I was growing up as a lad. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't... I wasn't quite as good at football as I was at some other sports. So, yeah, I ended up, um, you know, getting into rugby and stuff like that when I was young, just because I was a bit bigger than most of the other lads. And, yeah, I always boxed as well when I was young, went around different amateur clubs and stuff in Glasgow with my dad. And, um, yeah, I was always sporty, always interested in sport, out playing football with my pals, playing rugby, going to boxing. So, yeah, always, always interested, always keen, always wanting to do something. Yeah, sure. And... Talking about Celtic, uh, should we talk about the season or not? Nah, nah, I'd rather speak about the last 20, but uh, not, not this one. Not, not this one, one. <laughs> Do you remember turning pro in rugby? Um, I do, I do. I do. How, was that um, How was the journey into that? Yeah, uh, I actually had played, I was 19 and I had just finished playing in the Under 20 World Cup for Scotland out in Japan. Uh, I picked up a pretty bad knee injury um, and just off the back of that, I had come back, was in the Institute of Sport, which wasn't, uh, you were a part of the Institute, but you weren't like a professional or anything. You were just kind of supported with the S&C, physio, lifestyle, all that kind of side of things, like sports psychology and stuff like that. So it was the kind of natural progression. Then I got my first full-time academy contract uh, based with Glasgow Warriors, um, but yeah, I can remember it. I can remember it so clearly because I was actually rehabbing from an injury, unfortunately. Yeah. But I can remember turning over, and yeah, it was getting getting that you know chance to to pursue my but like rugby career was fantastic, and it was just eye opening, really. You know, the professionalism, and it was a big lot of you know adapt to adapt to that lifestyle, but. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty good, pretty good at the time. Do you remember having, te- well, getting the contract and then telling your friends, family, what was their, like, reaction to it? Yeah, listen, my mum and dad, like like I say, even to this day, they still support me and everything, so they were obviously delighted. Uh, all the kind of local rugby lads at Alan Glens, where I had grown up playing rugby, they were all really chuffed. I think they actually stuck my under twenty jersey up in the clubhouse. It's still up there, you know. So uh, it was it was it was good. It was good to have the you know support of your mates, family, previous clubs, and everything like that. It was uh, it was special. It was good. It was a it was a proud moment for me. Yeah, for sure. And um, you moved to Jersey, joined Jersey Reds. Um, how yeah. was how was that experience coming over here? What was your first thoughts on the islands when you joined? Well, it was 2013. I'd been with Glasgow Warriors for four years and decided to move over to Jersey to kind of play week in, week out and look and see if I could then kick back on up to one of the top leagues or one of the better like better teams in, 
anywhere in the UK, France, wherever. And um, my initial thought when I came over, it was Ben Harvey who had signed me at the time. Ben's still a good mate of mine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me telling this story, but he he took me to the house where I was going to be staying in Jersey and it was empty. And I was like, all right, okay. And then he's like, don't worry, you'll be able to go down to the hospice and uh, the charity shops and get all your thumbs. So it was a bit, it was an experience, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love the island straight away, you know, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, big rugby fan base, a lot of people very interested in the sport. Um, you know, it's a small place, so everybody knows who you are straight up. Even if they don't know your name, they know, oh, that guy must play rugby, look at the size of him. So yeah. uh, it was an experience. It was something a bit different. But no, like like I say, I missed home. I missed Glasgow and stuff like that. But after a couple of weeks, I was into the swing of things. And I really, I still, like, as I still do, I, still, I love the island. So it was, it was yeah. a good experience. It was good to get in. And yeah, great place. Good, good. Um, you played in the Siam. Uh, how was that yeah. for you and how was it for someone from not on the island to play in a game like that as well? I think um, I, I can kind of understand the rivalry because of Scotland and England and even, you know, maybe because of Celtic and Rangers, it's, you, you kind of you get why people get so immersed in a rivalry. Um, obviously enough, I'm not from Jersey, although it's my adopted home now. Yeah. Um. But I, it was, it was good. You could do it. The, I wouldn't quite say it's got the same niggle that an old firm game does, but there definitely has a wee bit of niggle. Yeah. And especially because Jersey are up in the championship with a full professional squad. Guernsey are coming over, and they've always got that edge. They want to beat Jersey because we are perceived as the the big guns or the big dogs or whatever you want to call it. So. Aye, there was a bit of niggle. My first Siam Cup game, I think they won 50-0. I actually <laughs> yeah. scored a try in that game. Yeah. Uh, and we we fielded our full, full like, kind of the strongest team we could. And then the following year, they changed the rules so that you could only play if you had been at the club for three years or were Jersey-born. So we ended up having, I think it was, and uh, that was at the wrong allowed six professionals or something. Yeah. So I was one of the six professionals who'd been there three years and I think it was a much closer game. They were actually ahead up until about the 60th minute and that was yeah. over in Guernsey, but we managed to beat them. Yeah. So I've never lost a Siam Cup. That's a good record to have. <laughs> Very good. I've never lost. But no, it was good. It was a good experience. And I think it's the second oldest cup in rugby as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was good. It was good to be involved in something like that. Good to be involved in, you know, that something about history and especially something that means something to people in Jersey I think that was one of the the things one of the boys had said you know it might not mean as much to you but it means a lot to the people who support the club so it was good to get the win for them definitely it's a big big uh, date on the sporting character so exactly calendar so it's a great record to have to say you never lost in it so it's good (laughs) um what made you stop rugby altogether well, like I say, I mean, I had come over to Jersey to try and, you know, play to get another contract in a better league. And I I, I could have kept playing. I, I, I had a chat. There had been kind of brief conversations about potentially offering me another contract with Jersey. My fifth year, um, there was a team in England. I can't even remember. They were a national one team that were potentially, I wouldn't, 
I wasn't really looking at anything like that, to be honest. And then there was a Pro D2 team in France who were kind of in brief discussions with me about signing signing with them. But to be honest with you, I'd kind of, I'd played eight years of professional rugby at that time. I think I'd played over 90 games for Jersey. Yeah. And um, I just, I, I always had that burning kind of desire for boxing, to have a go at boxing. I was 27. Yeah. And I just thought, if I don't go now and have a go at it, I, I doesn't, you know, I'll need to part that and leave it. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a go at it and try it and see where I could get to. Um, yeah. My initial goal when I first started doing it was just to become the Scottish amateur champion. Yeah. yeah the Scottish elite amateur champion or open class boxer. So that was my goal. And that's what I tried to set out to do. So that was my main reason for leaving uh, rugby. It wasn't because I couldn't continue playing the sport. It was because I wanted to have a go at boxing yeah. and see what I could do in that sport. Were, were the rugby lads behind you all the way when you were discussing like whether to do it or not? What were they like? Well, uh, Alex Ray, um, who was the captain of Jersey, then forwards coach of Jersey in my time there, um, he was one of the, you know, guys who was like that to me, look, you only love once and you should, you, you know, you should go for it because at the end of the day, no, like, who knows what could happen and nobody will take, ever take it away from you from whatever you achieve. So, yeah, all the lads supported me. Like I say, even, you know, recently when I've like, announced um, I'm now leaving from amateur boxing and becoming professional, I've had all the boys that I used to play with at Glasgow, a lot of the boys I used to play with at Glasgow in contact with me. A lot of the lads for Jersey in contact with me. You know, rugby's a sport where you, you, you kind of make friends for life and it doesn't matter if you've not been in contact for four or five years. You could meet them tomorrow and, you know, talk like it was yesterday. So I have had a lot a lot of lads getting in contact with me, interested, you know, wanting to know what's happening and stuff like that. And that's brilliant. That You know, rugby's part of my history and rugby's always going to be part of my story. So, no, it was good to be able to talk to a few people I hadn't spoken to in a long time, get support of other lads who are good mates. No, it, was, it was good. It was which, good. which sport do you prefer? Because obviously one's an individual, one's very much yeah. a team. How, how, how do you compare them and which one do you think you prefer? Uh, you know, I prefer boxing. Uh, yeah. I love rugby, but I mean, boxing's kind of always been close to my heart. Um it's a tough question because obviously I've got a lot to thank rugby for. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, with any of this attention around what I'm doing in boxing if it hadn't been for what I'd done in rugby. So I, I'll, I'll always be grateful to the sport. I'm grateful for some of the life lessons it's taught me, skills I've got from it, which I'm still, you know, putting into practice now. So aye, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I'd have to just edge toward boxing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've been boxing when we were talking about you growing up you were boxing back then obviously it's been part of your life for a long time is there any people who might inspire you in boxing world maybe the fighters or is there boxers in your family that you look up to as well yeah my grandfather was a professional boxer okay, yeah. uh, he fought in the 1950s um, after he came out of his national service uh, I actually, I think he had six or seven fights down in Paisley Ice Rink, which was quite a popular boxing venue back in the day in Scotland, just outside Glasgow. And I think Muhammad Ali had an exhibition out there in the 60s. 
So yeah. it's quite a, it's quite an iconic little wee boxing venue. It was in the, the history of Scottish boxing. So I, my grandfather was a big inspiration to me. My, my dad had boxed yeah. when he was young, not not professional or anything, but trained. And yeah, we would always watch fighting. We would watch all the big fighters at the time when I was growing up. Lennox Lewis, Joko Zaghi, Ricky Hatton, Floyd Mayweather. You know, we were always interested. Mike Tyson. We actually went to watch Mike Tyson at Hamden. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, right. my granddad, and my dad. Um, so I, I was always interested in the sport. I was always a boxing fan. Always knew, you know, who's who had big fights coming up. Always watched everything leading up to it. Yeah. Watching old boxing documentaries with my dad, even when I was growing up. Uh, I always remember we used to whenever he'd had a couple of beers he'd put on When We Were Kings and we'd watch that yeah, yeah. Uh, which is still one of my favourite movies actually it's a brilliant movie yeah um, so yeah I've always had loads of different inspirations and reasons to watch the sport and stuff so yeah that's brilliant definitely brilliant. and uh, I saw on your Instagram that you, you've met um, Anthony Joshua uh, how was that experience and did he give you any tips then uh, yeah, he didn't really give me any tips to be honest, but um, no, it was cool. I was actually down in Sheffield training with Scotland alongside the GB, the yeah. GB team. Um, I was inspiring a couple of the GB boxers with Scotland. So Anthony Joshua was in the gym preparing for his rematch with Andy Ruiz. Yeah. Um, but it was an amazing, it was amazing to be in the gym alongside a guy like that who's at pinnacle of the sport the top of the sport preparing for his match and just watching what kind of work he puts into his preparation yeah. you know every fine detail they go over his team yeah so it was I I mean how how lucky is that to get in and to, to yeah. see what the one of the top guys in the sports do so no it was fantastic and obviously I got a chance to have a, a brief couple of words with him and got a quick photograph with him and stuff like that so no it was it was cool cool experience yeah, it was sure. great to meet him um, in terms of the training for boxing, how tough is it to get to the top? Very. Um, you know, it's an individual sport, as you said. So it's not like rugby where you've got 14 other guys to lean on if things aren't quite going your way. So it's a tough, tough sport. You know, you wake up in the morning, you've got to go out and get your road work in or go for your interval training down at the track, get up and go and do your strength conditioning. Boxing in the evening, sparring, you need to get as much sparring in as possible because that's where you learn. It's the closest thing to a fight as you'll ever get. So it's tough. It's very, very tough. And yeah, you've got to sacrifice a lot as well if you want to get anywhere in the sport. It's not uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not yeah. for the faint of heart. And it's very like like I say, it's individual. So a lot of the training you've got to you've just got to do it. You've not really got a choice. So no, it's brilliant. Good, good. Um, you obviously had some amateur fights uh, before turning pro. Uh, mm -hmm. How were those experiences, and how, what is your record at the moment? Yeah, um, my record was ten and five as an amateur. Um, but having said that, from an early, from very early stage in my amateur career, I was actually boxing some of the best guys in the country. Um, I won the novice championship straight away, then went on to fight in the Western District against a lad a lot more experienced than me who'd boxed for Scotland. Um, I managed to win that. 
Um, won the Intermediate Championship, won the Scottish Elite Championship, and then I was fighting, like, see, a GB guy somehow on the GB podium squad, so Courtney Bennett, delicious, sorry. Uh, this was, like, in my eighth, ninth fights, so the experience was, you know, you're thrown at the deep end, but that's why i done it. Um, I was also part of the Scottish Elite Boxing Group after I won the Scottish Elite title, so I went to Russia, Thailand, Spain, Barring some of the top guys in the amateur boxing scene in the world. So, aye, it's all been a great learning experience. And um, like I say, I've fallen up short a couple of times in my amateur bouts, but it's not really important because it's all about the experience to get you where you want to be. Um, how, how much do you learn from those losses? Do you learn more from the losses than the wins? A hundred percent. I mean... Lost on three split decisions to the GB boys, which means that two judges vote for you, or one judge votes for you, or scores in your favour, and the other judge. But anyway, um, I you, you learn a lot. I'm fighting guys who've had maybe 30, 40 fights, 50 fights even, and I've had nine. Yeah. And they've been boxing since they were 10, 11 years old. I've only been boxing for three years. So, yeah, it's, um, it's an experience. Yeah. Sure. Experience. Where, where you, you mentioned places you've gone and boxed. Where's the your favourite place you've fought or even trained? Probably down in GB. Um, you know, it's quite an iconic gym now that Joshua's down there, um, doing all these camps based from there. So, I mean, that's one of the top gyms in the world. So it was amazing to be in there. Also over in St. Petersburg in Russia. Um, that I know a lot of people probably think it's like Rocky Four, but it's not. Their gyms are better than ours. Yeah, yeah. They've got more, they've got they've got all the best gear, all the best equipment, coaching, set up, everything. So it was, you know, a great experience to be around that and around those type of guys and to see what they're doing. So I'd have to say that the GB gym down in Sheffield and probably over in St. Petersburg and Russia around some of the Russian boxing gyms has been probably up there with some of the best. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and of course, um, boxing business in Leonis okay. in Jersey and LH, they, they, they're, they're up there as well, LH, yeah. boxing uh, business in Leonis. I can't can't let, leave them. Out. I was going to ask you about that. How much, <laughs> how much did you learn from those guys as well and how much of a help were they in maybe your early career? Yeah, you know, I actually started boxing again with Alan Murray up at Boxing Business, Ben Murray's dad. Yeah. Um, I had went up to a couple of their fitness classes and Alan pulled me aside one day and was like, you ever thought about boxing, son? You're not bad. And I was like, oh, I'm playing rugby now. So, But I actually started going up to him more regularly and doing one-on-one pad sessions with him and boxing training sessions with him. Um, and I just kind of developed. I started doing it on my day off and then I was going up twice a week and... I had got the bug and the passion for it again. So he was a massive part of me. Yeah. How good is he? How good is it uh, for them to be in Jersey (laughs) and to help boxers in Jersey as well? How good are they for... Yeah. Listen, like I say, I boxed for Leonis, or I boxed on a Leonis show. And I went up and trained at the gym up there. That was fantastic. You know, the the, the South Hill gym is actually, you know, I don't think people in Jersey realise how good that gym is. Yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing little gym. 
And then obviously Big Ben and Dave Lund down at LH, two ex-super heavyweight boxers. Dave had boxed, you know, 60, 70 times. ABA final, a semi-finalist. Ben had boxed numerous times amateur, then went on to a pro career. Both of them were rated in the top 10 as amateurs in England. So to learn from two guys like that, especially Dave, and I've done a lot of work with Dave, a lot of different like wee bits of sparring and pad work. And yeah. It was just, you know, brilliant to have two guys like that to learn from and give you their experiences and what they had went through because it's very similar to what I've done myself. So no, so really, really lucky that I had all, you know, Ben and Alan up at boxing business, Dave and Ben down at LH, and then to, to fight on one of the only shows in front of people in Jersey as well was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, what made you take the step from amateur to pro then? Just everything going on in the world at the moment. Um, my goal had kind of been to try and go to the Commonwealth Games, believe it or not. Yeah. After I had won the Scottish, then progressed on to the Scottish team and everything was geared towards that. But I just think with everything going on, who knows if it's even going to go ahead? I mean, exactly. it doesn't really look there's any end in sight for everything that's going on. So I just decided to take the plunge, really, and have a go. And Mark Dunlop, who used to, uh, lives, uh, lived in Jersey, um, I met him through a mutual friend, Alex, Alexander Burnett, one night, and I had told him I was going to start boxing. And he's a promoter, but a manager. And he his advice to me was, go and get as much experience as you can in the amateurs. And if you're ever thinking about turning pro, we can have a conversation. Um, so I went away and like I say that was never my goal anyway my goal was just to have a go and see what I could do in the amateurs won the Scottish done all that progressed and then Mark had you know gave me a phone call a couple of months ago and said look you know if you want to turn pro now might be the time with the situation with this virus and the elite sport banner which you can operate under as a professional um, it might be a good opportunity for you to, to look at doing that um, and yeah, it just felt like the right thing to do, really. Um, you only live once, you only get so many opportunities in life. Mark's got great contacts within the boxing world with Matchroom, Frank Warren, yeah. uh, MTK, and everything like that. So I, it was, it just felt like the right thing to do. Um, yeah. I loved my amateur boxing, I love being part of the Scotland set up, but just at my stage in my life and like I say, it just felt like the right thing to do at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, what Do you have goals that you want to reach in your boxing career? How high do you want to go in the boxing world? The sky's the limit, you know, especially in the heavyweight division. It's jam-packed right now with a lot of amazing fighters, but I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think like, I could get up there and compete with guys like that. Yeah. Um, there's never been a Scottish-British heavyweight champion. I don't, think, I don't think there's ever been a, a Jersey resident who's been a no. heavy, British heavyweight champion. So, you know, do it for the island and do it for my homeland yeah. would be amazing. Uh, fly the two flags for Jersey and Scotland. But aye, that, that, that would be the ultimate goal, really, for me at the moment, would to be a challenge and win a British title. I'm under no illusion, you know, the type of fighter that is competing at that level. Um, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubai just fought for the British title and they're not far away from world level so it's going to be a you know real tough challenge but it's one that I'm I'm more than up for and 
prepared to sacrifice and put in the hard hard yards to achieve. And like I said, to to do it and represent two places, Jersey and Scotland, would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. How much is boxing a mental game rather than? Well, obviously it is physical, but how much of it is mental as well? Can't you know? It's funny you ask that because I was chatting with somebody the other day, and they said that they reckon it's eighty percent meant like on your head and 20% physical yeah. and it's probably true you know a lot of people get psyched out before they step through the ropes a lot of people you know you can overanalyze a lot of things and at the end of the day it's a fight it's you against another guy and yeah, you know at the higher levels there's not much between guys in terms of physical attributes um, so you've got to go in with the right mental attitude but no it's definitely one of the toughest sports in the world it's an individual sport it's you pitting your will against somebody else. So, no, nah, the mental side of things is massive in the sport. Yeah, for sure. Um, finally, what obviously you turned pro now in two sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to youngsters who might be watching that to get to that top level, to turn pro in whatever sport they want to be? My advice would be enjoy your sport. Listen, when I first got into boxing, it wasn't, like I said, about turning professional. It was about enjoying myself and trying to challenge myself to achieve things. And as a byproduct of that, I've been given an opportunity to turn professional. When I played rugby, growing up, obviously it was always your dream to play for your country and everything like that, but it was only through not actually enjoying the sport, applying yourself and look like, getting immersed in the sport that I managed to achieve all that so that would be my number one thing yeah. is enjoy your sport do it because you love it not because you're chasing you know money or you're chasing I want my name up that's not what it's about it's about enjoying yourself in the sport and all the, the good things that come with it are a byproduct of that and then two would just be like I say apply yourself give it your all uh, don't let anybody tell you that you can't achieve things and you know, just dedicate yourself. If you if that's what you want to do, dedicate yourself, make the sacrifices, and you'll reap the rewards. That's yeah. that really. Great advice. And one more on yourself. Do you know when your next fight is? I don't. I don't actually have a date just now. Um, I'm hoping to get out this month in February. Yeah. Uh, I've know a couple of things, but I, I'm wary to say anything just because things seem to be getting cancelled at the moment with the coronavirus and yeah. travel bans isolation periods and everything like that all has to be taken into account and yeah obviously when I if I won't, the fight won't be in Jersey so when I go and come back I'll need to isolate for 10 days and everything so there's a lot of different moving parts so it's just about yeah, hoping that they all fall into the one place and then we can take it from there but I'm hoping to be out this month my mark my, my, my Mark, my manager Mark is on the case looking at things. So fingers crossed, hopefully I can confirm something with these in the next coming weeks. Good luck, good luck. Thanks for coming on, Nick. Um, it's been great to catch up and listen to your story and your journey. Um, so thank you. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, and I some great questions you made me think there. So no, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. <laughs>